And a really interesting subject today. You know, when something falls the first Sunday of the year, I think it's because the Lord put it there. And so let's get into the Word. And if you could rise for the reading of God's Word. We rise for the reading of God's Word for the purpose of just honoring the reading of the Word of God. It's a love letter to you. It's God's best for you. And we believe that as we go chapter by chapter through the Bible, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. Um, we have Bibles in English and Spanish. If you need a Spanish Bible, indicate, so indicate. But let's see what the Lord has for us. Mark chapter 11, the first Sunday of the year 2022. What does the Lord have for us? We are in verse 17, where it says, Then Jesus taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves? And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought out how they might destroy him. For they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his teaching. When evening had come, he went out to the city. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Father, it is my desire that this church be a house of prayer. And Lord, uh, that takes a work by you, deep in our hearts, circumcising our hearts, getting our minds off of ourselves, stopping to live in our own thoughts, our own self-bubble, and breaking out and calling to you, Lord. It's not going to happen unless you do a work, and so we're here, Lord. We're here asking you, come please, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, break that bubble that we live in, the bubble of self where, where our life is just um, lived within our own thoughts, this thought, that thought, just surrounding us. Um, your word says, in the multitude of my anxieties, Lord, please restore My soul, restore us, Lord. Restore our souls to be what they were meant to be. Men and women who cry out to you, Lord, who are connected to you, who know you, Lord. Lord, that this 
church would be a house of prayer. And I pray this for our church. I pray this for churches throughout the city of Boston. Houses of prayers. Lord, we've made them uh, into just a multitude of other things. We ask you, Lord, to make them into houses of prayer. I pray this in Jesus' name. I also pray for our kids over in the Sunday school. Speak to them, Lord. Encourage them. Bless them. Build them up. I pray for um, all those who are out, Lord. I know in, there's, uh, there's many people this morning not feeling well. I, I pray, Father, that you would minister to them. Bring healing to them. Be Jehovah Rapha to them, the God who heals, that they would know you as Jehovah Rapha, Lord. I pray that, Lord. I pray that for um, all, um, all looking on live stream uh, today, and I know there's, there's quite a few, I pray, Father, that there would be no distractions, that they would be focused on your word. I pray that I wouldn't be a hindrance, Lord. To, what, to do just what you want to do in their lives, the lives of all of us. Lord, please fill me that I may just pour forth your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. You may be seated. So in verse 17, Jesus says, verse 17 of chap, um, chapter 11 of Mark. Let me set this, uh, this clock now. Come on, clock. Where are you, clock? There are you. There you are. Whoa. Again, verse 17, Jesus says, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? What had happened was the context here. Profiteers, men who saw the opportunity to make money within the church, within the temple, I should say, within God's house, had been ripping off the people who had come there from all over the world. Worshippers of God needed a lamb or a dove to worship the Lord at the time in the first covenant. We've been given a better covenant where Jesus is our sacrifice once for all. But then they came to sacrifice lambs. The poor came to sacrifice doves um, and they were being ripped off double. Um, if they needed a lamb or a dove to uh, purchase, to sacrifice, they were being way overcharged. If they um, uh, needed a, a change of currency uh, from their country into the local currency, the currency of the temple, they were way overcharged. And Jesus drove them all out. He just drove them all out of the temple. And when he gives the reason for driving them out of the temple, listen to me, Calvary Chapel, when he gives the reason for driving them out of the temple, this is the reason he gives. This is a house of prayer. This is a house of prayer. That's the reason. And they had made it into something else. Churches can be made into many other things other than what God wants them to be, a house of prayer. They can just be 
social gatherings. They can be cultural and ethnic gatherings. You come in from Haiti, you come in from Nigeria, you come in from the Dominican Republic, and you want to be around other people of your country. You form a church of people of your country. You go there. They can become places where people go thinking it's a place to make money. And that's what happened here. But Jesus says it's a house of prayer. Churches can become a place where people come to read the Word of God and know the Word of God without regard to any thought of praying. Just as bad. Just as dead as anything else. The, the church is meant to be, created by God to be, his house is created to be a house of prayer. So Jesus just, he, um, he drives them, he drives them all out. So God's desire for his house is that it be a house of prayer. Now what does that mean? Uh, does that mean that we stand up in church and we recite a prayer from a prayer book that someone else wrote? Um, I do not think that's what it means. That's what I grew up with. I do not think that's um, what it means. Um, because just a few verses later, um, he talks about what it means. He talks about what prayer means. He talks about what he wants a house of prayer to look like, or prayer in a house of prayer to look like. Now remember, the church really is not necessarily this room or a building. It's the people here. That's what a church is. And so he, 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 um, he instructs um, as to what a house of prayer looks or a people of prayer uh, looks like. In verse 21, notice Peter, the apostle Peter, it says um, there that he points to a fig tree that Jesus, earlier in the chapter, Jesus had prayed, had prayed that that tree would be become barren, it would be withered up, it would become accursed, it would lose all its life. Jesus had prayed that. It's an unusual it's a very unusual um, uh, uh, circumstance, and we, we talked about it uh, in our last um, reading here through the book of Mark, uh, and he noticed, and he did it because it was a tree with nothing but leaves. It was a picture of God's people and God's house and the, what the house of God had become. In verse 13, he says when he came to it, he, it, he saw nothing but leaves. And that's why he literally, he made a prayer that the tree would lose all its life, that it would be withered up. And the tree um, was a picture of the house of God, what it had become. Lots of window dressing, lots of sacrifices going on. I mean, the sacrifice, they, they were burning hot, the sacrifices uh, in the temple. Lots of people, lots of activity, lots of leaves, lots of leaves, no fruit. What is fruit? Fruit is the life of God in you being reproduced in the life of someone else. That is fruit. Don't deceive yourself. That is fruit. 
the life of God in you being reproduced in the life of someone else. That is how the Bible defines fruit. What's the problem at God's house? Why was it all leaves and no fruit? Because it was no longer a house of prayer. It was no longer a house of prayer. Yes, there were profiteers who had turned the God's house into a house of profit, but the, 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 the problem was deeper than that. They were not praying. There was no prayer life in the church. Jesus says as much, my house shall be called a house of prayer. You've made it into a house of your own desire, of your own making. What was the problem with God's house? Why all the least? Because there was no prayer. Where there is prayer, listen, Calvary Chapel, where there's prayer, there's life. Where there is prayer, there's life. Where there's life, there's fruit. The life of God in you being reproduced in the life of another. Um, where there's no prayer, there's no life. Do you have fruit in your life? We've come here to do business with God. One thing we do when we do business with God, do you have fruit in your life? Is the life of God in you being reproduced in the life of others? If not, it could be that you have no prayer life or that you do not have a prayer life that looks like what the Bible says a prayer life could look like. Now, a mentor, my mentor, Damien Kyle says, anytime you want to make people guilty, just talk about prayer. You'll make them all guilty. That, that's not my desire today. My desire today is for you to make adjustments in your life so that you can be a person of fruit because Jesus says that he, that he says to you, John chapter 15, he says, you didn't choose me. I chose you that you and appointed you that you would go bear fruit, fruit that remains, fruit that abides. And so um, that's what we're going to be looking at today. So um, Peter points out that the fig tree that Jesus had, he'd prayed about. <laughs> he prayed that it would become barren, withered up, and a curse. And what happened? Within hours, it becomes barren, withered up, and a curse. No life uh, uh, left in it. And so then he gives a powerful, deep, unforgettable lesson about what prayer is. Verse 22, he says this, have faith in God. Prayer is wrapped up in faith. Faith is wrapped up in prayer. They're deeply connected. Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, verse 23, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will, ever, he will have whatever he says. Um, whoever says to this thing, this gigantic thing that God has put in their life before them, which is, which is like, whoa, I don't see how my life can continue if this thing, this mountain stays. Whoever says to that thing, be, be gone and go into the sea, it will be done. That's, uh, that's what Jesus says here. And then he says in the next verse, in verse 
24, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you'll have them. Oh, wow. Oh, man. Oh, woman. That's quite a verse. The book of Matthew puts it a little differently. He, um, the book of Matthew in the parallel account, Jesus says, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to this fig tree. So he adds that. You'll not only do what was done to this fig tree, he says, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. The Lord places mountains in your life to be removed for his glory. Not so that attention can be drawn to you, but that attention would be drawn to God. So what can we learn here about what prayer really is from these couple of verses here? I think uh, supremely, there's, there's a number of things. But I do think we see it, you see it in verse 22. It says, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Prayer at its core, at the very core of faith, is about having faith in God. And the only way to have faith in God there's only one way to have faith in God. Faith is a gift, but faith, there's only one way that anyone has faith in God, and that is if they know God. It's the only way. A person who does not know God can have no faith in God. And as a result, they have no real prayer life. You, cannot, you can have no prayer life unless you know God. In the world, you will hear people praying to God, hear people praying to God all the time, all the time. I hear people in the world praying to God. God, I pray that I win the lottery, please, in 2022. Please, God, I need it. A person who prays that doesn't know God. Why? Because God hates the lottery. He hates it. The lottery becomes an idol to those participating. And God hates idols. God, I pray for a wife that looks like Beyonce. I pray for a husband that looks like Brad Pitt. Please, God. Please, God. A person who prays like that does not know God. They don't know God. God, God's desire for you in a spouse is completely beyond that. Pun intended. It's, 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 it's beyond that. But these are the prayers that I hear. God, I pray that you just wipe out my enemies. God, kill them, please. God, my, that my boss would drop dead. Please, God. A person who, you know, who prays like that, they don't know God. The heart of God um, is for you to love your enemies. God has no pleasure, takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. I know you're not like that. I know I'm not like that. But he's like that. 
If you pray those things about people who you don't like, you don't know God. Jesus says in verse 22, have faith in God. Prayer at its core is about having faith in God and the only way to have faith in God is to know God, to know his character, to know what he wants for me, to know what he wants for him, God. What does God want for God? The Bible has a lot to say about what God wants for God. Once I know these things, I will have faith in God, and once I have faith in God, I will be a man of prayer. I will know what God wants for me. I will know that what God wants for God. So again, verse 23, most, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now there is a tendency when someone first reads these verses, I know this from profound personal experience, when they first read these verses, Jesus says to pray and to not doubt in, the, uh, doubt in their heart. And, 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 and there's a, they read these, a new believer reads these, or someone who's not a believer reads, and they somehow try to force themselves not to doubt. Jesus says, when you pray, believe you have received. So they will try to force themselves into thinking that they have already received. God, I'm, I'm going to get this promotion. I'm not doubting I'm going to get this promotion. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. I thank you, God, for giving me this I receive it. And we do all kinds of mental acrobatics and mind tricks and, and try to just convince ourselves because if we believe that we receive, it says we're going to get them. And that's what we do. I mean, I remember being in, in the first year of my uh, a life with God, just cr crawling, I mean, crawling around on the floor of my house, on my back, just, just forcing myself to believe that I was going to get what I was praying for. And this is what happens. But what's the problem? When that happens, they know deep down inside they are doubting. They know deep down inside they haven't received it. They know deep down inside they can't thank God. That's the problem. Why are they doubting? Why are they not believing what they have received? Because they don't know God. Listen, Calvary Chapel, the more that you know about God, the less you doubt, the more you believe you've already received when you pray. I'll give you an example from real life. Is that David Blades back there? So David Blades, for years and years, he's been, uh, he's been helping me out with the church van. And over the years, I know. Uh, when I asked David to do, hey, David, there's something wrong with the van, and he says, okay, I'm going to be there tomorrow, 
and by the end of the week, it'll be back. He's there tomorrow, and the van's back by the end of the week. And he's always, always on time. Now, I mean, I'm not always on time, but, but David is always on time. Where's Amanda? Amanda's over, I think, helping in Sunday school. She'll tell you. Is he always on time, Timmy? <laughs> so, so when I talk with David, so, so I know David, and when I ask him for something, I know what's going to happen. He's going to deliver. I know that about him. Same way with the Lord, except God is the God of the universe. The more that you know him, the less you will doubt. The more you will believe that you've already received. Now, I'll give you an example of this. In the beginning of Luke, Peter, James, and John are fishing. Jesus says um, to them, put put the... um, Put the nets on the other side of the boat. And they're like, wait, what are you asking us for? We're fishermen. You're a carpenter. Why, why are you asking us that? We fished all night. There's nothing to We know what we're doing. We're fishermen. That's what happened at the beginning of the book of Luke. So they put their nets on the other side of the boat, and the net was filled with fish. Same thing at the beginning. At the beginning, when these guys were with Jesus in the beginning, they, there was a multitude of 5,000 men, not including men and women, a great multitude, and all they had was five pieces of bread and a few fish. And Jesus said, feed the multitude. <laughs> like, what? We can't. What do you mean, feed the multitude? We have five pieces of bread and two fish. He says, no, go ahead and do it anyway. And they fed the multitude. Fast forward three years. Jesus is going into the city of Jerusalem for the last time. He will soon be nailed to a cross. And he tells his disciples, hey, um, just go into the city. There's going to be, you'll see a, a, a donkey at this place. And if anyone uh, tells you, asks you anything about this donkey, just tell them the master needs it. What did you not hear at that time? There was no objection. What are you talking about? I can't go and take a donkey. I'm going to be arrested. No. See, by now they know Jesus. And then there's, um, for the first communion and the last supper, Jesus said to them, they were going to have the last supper, the last Passover, the night he was going to be arrested. And, and Jesus says to them in Mark 14, he says, go into the, go into the city. There will be a man um, who you will meet carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. Wherever he goes, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover And then he will show you a large upper room. And so, when they were going into the city, and they asked the Lord, hey Lord, can you show us this guy with a pitcher of water? They knew. They knew they they were going to run into a guy carrying a pitcher of water. 
They knew when they got to the house and they asked the Lord, Lord, okay, give us the, give us the confidence. Let us ask this guy for where this room is. They knew that, that, that they would be told. They knew that the room was going to be furnished. They knew because they knew the faithfulness of God. They knew his will. So, so, so um, the, the, the more they got to know Jesus, by the end, the, the, it, prayer just becomes about, re- about asking and already knowing you're going to receive. They knew the will of God. They knew their master. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, it says this, Now this is the confidence that we have in Jesus Christ, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. We know that because we know him and we know his will as prayer is at the core about having faith in God. The only way to have faith in God is to know God. And as you get to know God, you will know the will of God. A person who does not know God can have no faith in God. And as a result, they can have no real prayer life. How do you get to know God? Well, what did the disciples do? Number one, they talked with Jesus. Number two, they were taught by Jesus. Number three, they hung out with Jesus. They walked with him. How do you, Calvary Chapel, get to know God so that at, um, over time you can pray not doubting, receiving what you, believing that you've received? You talk with Jesus, you um, uh, are taught by him, meaning you are in the word of God, and you walk with him, you do what he's told you to do, you do whatever he's putting before you, you walk in that race. Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2 says, um, God puts a race before you, a path before you, you walk in it. If you want a Bible verse for that. Acts 2.42, I quote this all the time. What is, we go to the book of Acts to learn what we're supposed to do once we become a Christian. It says they devoted themselves, number one, to the apostles' teaching. What is that? That's your Bible. It says they devoted themselves. Not that they uh, would look at it um, for 15 minutes once a week. You do that, you will have no prayer life, Calvary Chapel. I, I'm just telling you. You want a prayer life? You devote yourself to the apostles' teaching, the teaching of the word of God. Number two, oh my, to fellowship. And man, there's two twos. That means, that means it's doubly important. Fellowship means you get together with the body of Christ, which you're doing right now, actually. You are called, you know that you're called in Ephesians chapter five, the bone of his bones, the flesh of his flesh. When you go to church, um, when I go to church, I feed off you guys. You may not think so. I do. I was feeding off that man over there, Antonio. Was, he was giving that wonderful testimony on New Year's Eve. I'm just fed off that thing. 
I feed off my brothers and sisters. Number one, it says, and, and by the way, it says devote yourself. People say, I, 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 I can, you know, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I, you know, it's me, my knapsack, and Jesus. What are you talking about? The Bible says you, you devote yourself to fellowship. Number three, the breaking of bread, which is communion, which is to Calvary Chapel, it's this Friday at 2566 Washington Street. So I take communion once a year. Okay, you won't have a prayer life. I don't hang out with people. It's just me and Jesus. You won't have a prayer life. You will never understand what it's like to, um, uh, on a consistent basis, pray and receive what you, uh, and believe that you've received. You'll, you'll, never, you'll never get that. You'll never understand that. And the last is prayer. The last is prayer. Devoting yourself to praying. Well, I pray um, before my meals and right before I go to bed. Okay, but you'll never have a prayer life that Jesus describes in Matthew um, chapter 11, uh, verses 23 and 24. Is that, what, is that the verse I was in? Yeah, 23 and 24. You, you need to pray. Uh, there's one other thing other than Acts 2.42. It's this um, simple thing in Ephesians um, chapter um, two, verse 10. I don't often, I, I don't often um, capitalize these things, but I do here. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. And then it says this, that we should walk in them. Para que vivamos de acuerdo con ellas. Meaning that you, you, you just walk in whatever life that God has put you in. And what happens with me all the time, things get so difficult. There's, there's so many spears being thrown my way. I remember this verse. It, it just says, can we keep it up there? It just, just keep walking, man. Which means keep hanging out with Jesus. Keep doing what he's called you to do. Just keep walking. And as you observe, that over and over again, he's faithful in his life as you observe that everything that seems to happen that's bad always works out for good because that's what the Bible says in Romans 8.28. You, over time, you, you figure it out. That you're, 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 and you can pray believing that you receive, okay, there's this craziness in my life. I'm gonna just pray. And I'm gonna, this mountain, I, I'm just going to believe that it's going to be removed into the sea and you will see. But don't think this prayer life is just going to happen unless you know God. And, and, and it will not happen without being in the word, being in fellowship, being in communion, being in prayer, and just simply hanging out with Jesus. That's what the apostles did, right? Why is it that by the end of the three years, and he says, oh, go just get that donkey and just don't worry, don't even ask for it. Just get it. And why do you think they didn't doubt? They, or, or why do you think they never didn't argue for anymore? Because they had hung out with them. They had figured out who he was like by this time. Let me try to put all this together for you just in a more personal example with me, just in my life. 
But over time, let me just give you the example of church. We started this church 20 years ago, or 19 years ago, something like that. And um, we were just, right there's a wall right there, there was a wall right there. The church was in this part, and the kids were over there and over there. There's a hard wall there. By the way, it was hard. You couldn't even move it. And they broke it down. We didn't ask them to. Just as the church grew, God broke it down. Um, but you know, um, when, when, when you start a church and you're the pastor, you're incredibly insecure and you don't really believe that God's going to do anything. I'm, I tell you a true story. When I first renewed the contract, I did a one-year contract, and I went, when I renewed it for the next year, I felt filled with guilt because, this is a true story, because I felt like I was lying to the hotel because I knew the church was not going to last one more year. That's where I was. I, I, I was <laughs> Why? Because I didn't know God. I didn't know God yet the way I, I know him today. And so what do I do over time? First, I need to find out from the word of God what church really is. You'd think that if someone starting a church would know what a church God says about the church. May, I may, may know a little, but my prayer journal now is filled with who the church is to God. I'll give you just a few of my verses that I cut and paste from my prayer journal. I just want to show them now. So as I'm reading the Word of God, remember Acts 2.42, um, you devote yourself to the reading of the Word of God. So, um, I, I, for, for example, the, and this is all in my prayer journal as I'm learning what the church, the churches are the glory of Christ, meaning, well, okay, if it's about the glory of Christ, maybe it's not about me. Maybe he's more interested in, in the church going into year three than I am. You guys following me? Next verse. The church is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And, and, and so I'm learning, okay, it looks like Jesus is really interested um, in showing Boston but with this church and other churches, because there's other churches represented here today, that, that, that they're the fullness of him so that the world can see. So maybe, just maybe, the church isn't about Steve Cole. Maybe. So the next verse. Through the church, Ephesians 3.10, the manifold wisdom of God is made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Now, if, if this doesn't blow your mind, or if you're a pastor or a, a, a person who is ministry at church, I don't know. This is pretty incredible. This, this says that a church, just like this one, was started by God to make the rulers and authorities in the heavenly, this is speaking of angels in the demonic realm, but also his own angels, that he may make known to all the universe, his, this church, in other words, he, this church is not about us. <laughs> it's about him. Go on, Titus chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, Jesus Christ gave himself for us that he might purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. In other words, God has an interest in this church, 
and other churches in the city of Boston. And it has, it, it's really has nothing to do with us. It's his purposes to put together his own special people, zealous for good works. Next verse, Ephesians 5.29. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes just as the Lord does the church. So this is what Jesus does. This church is called the bone of his bones, the flesh of his flesh. And, and, and the point here of this verse is that God nurses it and he cherishes it. Matthew 16, 18 says, I will build my church. Do we have another one? 1 Corinthians 3, 9, you are God's field, you are God's building. And so after a while, you read the word of God, you get to know God, you get to know what God thinks about the church. You start realizing, man, when I pray for this church, this is, this is God's program. This is his business. It's not my business. But then um, the Ephesians 2, 10 verse, can we have that again? Can we go back there? Just walking in over the years um, in the life of the church. I remember when we first started, uh, it, it, it's like, uh, you know, oh no, uh, uh, what, what's gonna happen if Pastor Greg, the worship leader, like gets hit by a truck? I used to sit up and lose sleep over this stuff. Who's gonna do worship? I used to lose sleep over this stuff. But as you walk with God, just whatever that life that God has before you, whatever it is, as a student, as a um, construction person, as a, uh, as a plumber, whatever it is, just walk in it, man. No matter how many spears are being thrown, and over time, you will see the spears just whatever, deflected. I mean, the craziest thing. We started, whatever, 15, 16 years ago, Guillermo, who's in the back, started evangelism every single Saturday night. We've been going out Saturday nights for uh, 15, uh, probably more than 15 years. But, uh, um, you know, you know, Guillermo is going out, different people going out with him. Um, and then we start up a training program. We start that up. And... Uh, um, uh, but then, you know, Guillermo gets married, and then Guillermo has one kid, two kids, three. He has four kids. He's got, Steve, I can't do this anymore. Who's going to do the evangelism program? Now, by then, this is f four years ago, I started getting used to this. Just God just starts raising people up. But who in their right mind is going to lead a people onto the city of Boston streets every Saturday night? Where do you find this person? Mary Wambua <laughs> comes along. But just, just, just as much as that is, is the is the. Is the it was the bus ministry. We had this vans, this Calvary Chapel in the city. There's all kinds of dents in it, um, um, but it's a banged up van. But uh, years ago, Angelina, we were just literally handed a ministry from open air campaigners. And this woman named Angelina uh, takes over the bus ministry that goes into the projects and, um, and, and, uh, and into the hood and, and gets kids and comes back here. And God just blessed it. He the ministry thrived. But after about five years, she, she moves away. 
do you know how hard the bus ministry is? You just go try it. You go try it. And, and, and you will see there's few things in the world harder than leading the bus ministry. You will not find and be appreciated until another life when you lead this ministry. She leaves. Where do you find a person to do this? Because you, you can't just grab someone in the church and say, hey, can you like go into the projects you know, um, once every Sunday and, and get the kids and come back? You, the, impossible. Someone has to be called. Someone's got to be called to do that. So Lisanne came around. Some of you know Lisanne. She does it for five years. She gets married. She leaves. Who's going to do it? Because it takes someone with a calling. It's just not going to happen unless someone's called. Nicole comes along, and she does it to this day. But, but the, the, the point that I'm trying to make with you about, it, remember what we're talking about here. We are talking about, Jesus says, for surely I say to you, uh, uh, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. The only person who has that kind of prayer life is someone who knows God, who is someone who walks with God, sees the faithfulness of God, sees the goodness of God, and, 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 um, and, and as a result is able to Pray believing, not doubting, believing even as receiving. That's how it works. That, um, and, and, and over time, it's just something where you realize something happens in the church. You know, there's a vaccination card requirement now in Boston. What, what does that mean for us? We're, you know, we're in this room. What's the hotel um, going to think? Well, I don't know, but... I know for a fact that this is God's church. I mean, we've been seeing it for so long. And so, by the way, this week I did meet with a um, hotel manager. He says it doesn't apply to you. We also talked to an attorney. doesn't apply to you. But, 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 so it does not apply to us, but um, it doesn't apply to churches. And, um, uh, but, but you just, over time, you know. You just know. The nursery leader knows. Uh, the, a nursery leader leaves. Kathy's son leaves, um, goes up to New Hampshire. Who in the world is going to take uh, 20 babies and, and coordinate thir- you know, 25 nursery workers every other week? Uh, the Sunday school um, person um, um, you know, moves on or moves away uh, like Kevin Harris did. Who is going to take over? Well, he brings Adana. She brings David. The Lord, it's the Lord's house. And so as you get to know the goodness of God, as you get to pray, as you cry out to God over the, over the years, and you see him respond, and you get to know his character, as you read the word of God, this is the prayer life that you can have, and you're not going to be forcing yourself into believing. It's not going to happen. It's just going to be a supernatural process that, that becomes natural. I want to um, close out the service at this point. If the, um, if the worship team uh, could come up, the, the gospel choir could come up, uh, you know, I would just like to, um, I would just like to, to close the, the, the service with all of us praying now. I'd like to close the worship service with all of us praying
for 2022. In particular, this is what I'd like to do. Eric, can I have this um, chair here? If you're willing, I'd like you to... Um, as the, as you guys actually, Freddie, you can just start. I'd like us all to get on our knees, if you're willing, get on your, our knees at the beginning of 2022. And, and the prayer, I just want you guys to be praying, God, I want to know you because I, I, I don't want to be one of these people who looks at this, this verse, doesn't know what it means, and tries to force, tries to force myself to, to, to not doubt. I want to know you in such a way I want to know you in such a way that I can believe as if I've received. So if you join me, on, I'm just going to get on my knees right before. And, and Freddie, if you can just uh, give us an ins instrumental um, here, if you can just start. And um, just as Freddie's praying, just cry out to the Lord that you would get to know him more and more and more and more through the word, through prayer, through fellowship, and just through walking in the life that he has given you. Just pray to the Lord for that. We're just going to take some time to do that now.